0: Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. This week, I'm so excited to have Dr. Chris Felicello. Chris has been in the field of education for over 25 years, currently the assistant superintendent of educational services in the North Rockland Central School District in Rockland County, New York, presenter and blogger. Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks
1: for having me, Josh. It's a real uh, real honor to be here and and to be joining your podcast tonight.
0: And Chris, as you know, the show is centered on leadership development. I would love to hear your personal leadership journey and how you went from the classroom to the assistant superintendent.
1: Yeah, I have quite a, a different and unique journey to, to get where I am today. I started um, as a physical education teacher. I went to SUNY Cortland and landed a phys ed job up in upstate New York in Antiora, where I was a varsity boys basketball coach and got that job right out of right out of college. I was 21 years old teaching uh, students that, that weren't much younger than I was. Uh, you know, I really wanted to be an athletic director, and that's why I got my administration degree. Once I, I got that degree, I, I was appointed a, the athletic director and assistant principal in a different district, in a smaller district in New York, a little further south. And after serving in that role for about a year, year and a half, the superintendent asked me if I would want to become the middle school principal and keep the athletic piece of of my job. We were going from a junior high into a a middle school model. I gladly accepted and found that the more I did the principal side of of the work in education, I really liked that even more than the athletics and wanted to focus solely on that. So I, I looked for a position in a bigger district, a bigger school, and ended up where I am now in North Rockland School District, which is about uh, 40 miles north of, of Manhattan and George Washington Bridge, and my first job there was as a middle school principal, James A. Farley Middle School, and uh, we had a, a transformation where we reconfigured, closed a few schools due to a, due to a tax certiorari, and I ended up in a bigger middle school, which was Fieldstone Middle School, about 1,500 students. From there, I was appointed Assistant Superintendent of Human Resources after being in that job for a couple of years, I'm now, I was appointed into this position. I'm in my fourth year in this position as Assistant Superintendent for Educational Services.
0: When you are looking back in your experience, what was one of the most impactful things that happened to you as a teacher or a coach that enhanced your skills as a leader?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Josh. And, and, you know, I think back to, to all the lessons I've learned over the years, and I would have to say... The advice that different people, I was very blessed to work with excellent leaders and the advice that different people gave me through that time, whether it was my first mentor, Paul, who said that really, you know, you have to come to work every day and you have to be willing to get behind and stand behind your decisions. I can't tell you what decision to make. Only you can can feel good about that. And if you do your homework and you're doing things where you feel are morally correct, then you're going to make the right decision. And then another mentor of mine, um, you know, as you're younger and you're, you're first in administration, you're, you have a tendency to, to run a little hot. And, I, you know, I have a tendency to run a little hot myself and, and always try to slow down and try to look from an outsider's perspective. And I remember one day I went into his office. Uh, Terry was his name. He was very seasoned, administrator, very smart man. And, I, you know, I was explaining to him why I was so upset about something that a teacher had done and how was I going to get her to see it my way. And, he, you know, he just looked at me and said, um, Chris, uh, you know, can't you co-opt her? And I was kind of like, what do you mean by co-opt? And and he explained that, you know, see it from her side and, and kind of work together and, and get, get that cooperative uh, uh, approach together. And, and it kind of was an epiphany for me and something I've tried to carry with me throughout my career.
0: And so in your transition from a teacher to an administrator, what was your biggest misconception as you began your experience? Wow.
1: Yeah. You know, I I remember that first day as an administrator being in my office and, you know, getting everything set up. And, okay, now I have an office. And all right. Now, what do I do? And, I, you know, I really didn't know what what to do. I really didn't even know what I didn't know. But, you know, once the kids show up and and the parents start calling, boy, you you know, it's really quick on the job training. But one of the things that I think was was a, a huge eye opener for me is when I went from an assistant principal to a principal, and, you know, I was it was in the same school and I was really kind of ahead of the the seventh and eighth grade and we were bringing the sixth grade in. But um, I had my boss, Paul, who was the principal of the building. And when I became that principal, I, I really was not ready for the big jump that that added responsibility Um Presents it's it you know as an assistant principal you work hard and you make decisions you make a lot of quick decisions when you're principal you have to think ahead about what decisions you're going to have to make down the road and and that was um, that was a big jump probably an even bigger jump than going from principal to central office and um, it was uh, it was a challenge but it was a great challenge and, and something I learned from a great deal
0: and so in your experience which leadership skills were the most difficult to develop
1: patience, being able to see things from all, all points of view. You know, when you're a leader, whether it's a building leader or, or a central office leader, you know, people will come to you with, with concerns, with issues with things that they have. And, you know, you want to solve everybody's problems because that's why we got into the field. We want our schools to be great. We want things to be excellent for our kids. We want to do a great job as a leader. And somebody comes in so passionately with, with, with an issue or a problem. And if, if you're too quick to jump to, to try to solve that, you know, I, I realize pretty quick that you're creating another problem in another area. So I often kind of take a step back and may ask the person, okay, if that happens, who is that going to affect negatively or who may be upset by that kind of drilling down and and, and asking those questions help and taking a step back, I think has helped me to be a better leader throughout the years.
0: And so on this podcast, I'd like to have different guests with a whole host of different leadership titles. You have one that's a little bit different in the assistant superintendent of educational services. Can you just take a moment for our listeners and explain what that job entails?
1: Yeah. One of my primary responsibilities is I supervise our eight principals in the district. I also supervise our, our, our coordinators or our department chairs. I'm responsible for overseeing the curriculum, the director of technology, the um, director of special services, the director of ENL and bilingual services um, really are kind of over my purview, although they they handle the day-to-day operations there. And all those things are great and all those titles are great, but I really see my role as one of of a motivator and one that can really try to bring the best out in people and really How can I, as an assistant superintendent, whatever you want to call me, whatever my role is, how can I make everybody else's job easier? How can I, what what can I do? And if it's a sacrifice for me, that's fine. But what can I do to put everybody in a position to be successful? And and I've often said to my principals or to my teachers when I was a principal, I don't care if if everybody's mad at me, that's fine. I just don't want everybody mad at each other. I want you guys working well together and, and being able to collaborate. You know, I think the best leaders bring people together, not pit them against one another.
0: And in your role, what is one area you want to change in education? There's
1: a lot that I want to change in education, and I think we're at a tipping point now where we're starting to see real progress in our field. For For so long, things were, were the same. You know, when you have things like Twitter and social media where classrooms are opened up and, and, and great um, administrators and leaders and teachers and educators are sharing and collaborating and seeing all the things that are going on. And you know, it's not no longer I'm in that classroom and, and what I learned from my student teacher or my principal when I was assistant principal is the way I do things. There's so many more um, paths that are open and, and opportunities to learn. Um, one of the areas and one of the things that I'm taking on right now in my district is is homework, and you know, it's something I feel pretty passionately about. I feel as an education system, we can do a lot better. I think it's about conformity i think it's about checking off the boxes i think it's about you know me getting the grade rather than a true love of learning and that's one of the one of my initiatives to really change how homework is done in my district and make it so it's more beneficial and, and doesn't take away that love of learning that passion you know when you get it, it comes in and kindergarten is so excited to learn and by the time they get to high school and 12th grade you know the the, the boredom Increases the desire to learn um, decreases, and it becomes about getting into college and you know all these these flashy things rather than that true love of learning. So that's one of the areas that I'm looking to to take on right now. But there are a lot that I wanna I want to do to make our field better because I love our field and I I think there's so many great things and so many great people, but I do think we can do a better job in a lot
0: of things in a lot of areas. You have an incredible pulse on the future of education based on your title. As you travel around, what is the largest barrier of success for leaders?
1: I think getting started, you know, in anything, people have great ideas, great vision, and they and they want to do things. But taking that first step, whether it's changing homework and, and putting a committee together to, to get started, whether it's to start writing and create a blog, whether it's to to change school times because we know that that high school kids need do better if they got to sleep a little later. Taking that first step you know, getting started. You know, sometimes we, we get caught up in the day-to-day and there's so many, so many things that are happening and so many things that we're putting fires out and and, and we can get distracted. But if we can get started on something that we believe in and see it through, I, I think that that is is really the way for us to go as, as leaders and, and as people in general.
0: And so for aspiring leaders, if they are not in administration, how can they make an impact outside of a leadership role?
1: I really believe that Schools and and in any field, it it really matters less and less what your title is, but who you are and what you do. If I'm a a custodian, if I'm a secretary, it doesn't matter what my role is. If I I really want to make our school a better place, I really care about kids. I can have a huge impact and and people should not get wrapped up in roles and titles and, and all those different things. But what can I do today? to make my school a better place for all the kids that are there, all the adults that are there, make it a a place where where people want to come every single day. And again, it doesn't matter what your role is.
0: And you've talked about staff rapport in a couple of your answers. As you were a principal and you felt like staff rapport was slipping, what strategies did you use to increase teacher relationships and their morale?
1: Uh, You know, uh, simple things like Genuine compliments and going to see somebody and talking with them and having a face-to-face conversation with them. Positive notes, you know, dropping a note in somebody's mailbox or a positive email. I've done things where we've had family fun nights where we get the staff and the students and the parents together and we would do different things like that. I think really it's important to, there's no single answer. There's no single thing or program that you would do. It's just really about You know, noticing when people aren't feeling well and going and being there and being that that shoulder that they can lean on to help them stand up strong. And it's just that genuineness of a compliment or a conversation or or just showing people that you care, I think, has a huge impact.
0: And what is one initiative you've implemented on the campus level or at the district level that you've been extremely proud of?
1: I think there's a lot of good things that we all do as leaders. I mean, I, I we're in our second year this year running an ed camp, which has been exciting, and and, and we we did a Twitter challenge where we got a lot of people um, on Twitter in our district and, and a pineapple challenge where we're getting people into each other's classrooms and, of course, all the curricular stuff and, and, you know, and all those things. But I, I really think the most important thing or the thing that I'm most proud of is when I made a difference in either a student's life or a staff member's life, and, and a story comes to mind. Um, when you ask that question. I mean, most recently, a couple of months ago, I had a a student, a former student come to me and and reach out to me. I was his principal back in eighth grade and and he was a language learner. He came from a different country and he was, you know, he was one of those kids that gave you a run for your money as a principal. Um, You know, he he was a great kid and a super uh, positive kid with a smile, but he was always getting himself in trouble and not really taking his academics seriously. And he moved on to the high school and, and, you know, I kind of lost track of, of him. And he, he called me, uh, like I said, a couple of months ago, and, and he was he's 20 years old now, and he, he asked me for help. He said, you know, I, I, I said, well, what happened? He said, well, I went back to my home country because I wanted to get my paperwork straightened out. I wanted to be here legally. I, I thought I would be right back, and I got caught up in all the immigration changes, and I was, I was stuck there for two years. And I just got back in the country. I really want to graduate. What can I do? And uh, the fact that he had come to me and remembered me as principal from eighth grade was really special to me. And the fact that I was able to work with with a a school counselor in in our district and and him and we looked at his his transcripts. And and now he he's on track to graduate this year. On top of that, he's going to he's working. His dad uh, works at a restaurant locally and uh, he's working there all hours of the night. And he's coming and he's getting up first thing in the morning and he's coming to school and he's getting those credits. And, you know, I, I feel like. I did something really good there. You know, I could do. Hey, we got new report cards. We got a Twitter challenge. We got all these things going on, but I made a difference in a kid's life, and he trusted me enough to come to me. And I feel like you know I came through for him. So to me, that's what that's what it's
0: all about. For those starting their leadership journey, what advice do you have for them?
1: I think the best advice that I could give to any new leader is you have to be who you are. You have to be true to your own style you know you may have had a great administrator that you saw that that had a certain style but if you try to emulate their style you're going to fall flat i've seen some administrators who who are you know, very animated in there, you know, they would dress up and they would do all these amazing things. And, and I think that's great. But if that's not your style to do that, you don't, you can't fake it. You have to be true to yourself. You have, you have to be true to your morals. And, and once you figure out what your style is and you have certain non-negotiables, but be true to that, that style and, and, and don't try to be anybody else.
0: And lately I've had multiple conversations in regards to leadership burnout. You've been in the field for 25 years. What was your secret to continuously being successful
1: taking on new challenges, um, never being satisfied with the way things are, always trying to make improvements, always trying to make connections, always trying to to, to help people. And, you know, my, my wife is often saying to me, like, why are you taking on one more thing? Why are you going downstairs and doing a podcast tonight? You've been at work all day and, you know, all these things. But but that's what really gets me excited and gets me excited to go to work every day, is to, to try to make things better. And And that's, Really, my goal and everything to make our schools better. I, I said earlier, I think we can do better, and 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 I want to do better, and I want to want to keep pushing forward and, and, and keep improving myself. I've learned so much, and I look back to my first administrative position, and boy, you know, at the time I was you know confident, twenty nine years old, and cocky, and thought I had all the answers. And I look back and say, like, oh my god, I didn't know anything. I think I'm at the point in my career now where I realize that there's a whole lot less that I know about than what I don't know about. And um, and just trying every day to just get a little better and, and improve a little bit and make some progress. That's what's helped to keep me fresh. That doesn't mean there's not days where you know you feel a little beat up and you feel like, oh boy, I, am I burnt out? Am I tired? Or whatever it is. And those days you get up and you you go and you keep plugging. And then you see a, a student that you know you, you made a difference for. You go into a classroom and you see these these little people smiling and, and learning. And you know that's what it's all about. I think just constantly challenging myself and constantly challenging my district and my field and my building is what is, you know, able to keep me
0: going. And so what's the biggest difference between being a principal on campus and going to the district level?
1: It's not nearly as busy at the district level. I tell my principals that all the time. And uh, that doesn't mean there isn't as much to do and I don't work as long hours and I don't have more decisions to make. But that day-to-day, minute-to-minute, constant you know, shot through the you know through the gun through the cannon as you walk in that door and everybody at you had so many decisions to make. You don't have that at the district level. You have bigger decisions that are you know you're kind of guiding this bigger ship and and boy if you don't guide it in the right way it can crash. You have to be thoughtful. But you're not making as many decisions on a minute to minute basis and I think that's so important for me to remember as a district leader that you know what when I have a question for one of my principals or one of my APs or one of my directors. They may not be able to drop everything for me because I think it's important then. They got this whole building that they're running with little people and parents and teachers that are counting on them. So, you know, I have to always realize that and always, you know, kind of do everything I can, as I said earlier, to make their jobs easier and, and never forget what it's like that that hustle and bustle of that day to day life in a
0: building. In addition to your district position, you speak at conferences, you blog, and you're very active on social media. How did you find your voice beyond your district?
1: know it's interesting you know i've heard for so long going to conferences and and presenting you know uh, at various places and you know listening to great educators say you know you got to get on twitter you got to get on twitter and i had created an account years ago but i never really got it i didn't understand it i didn't i didn't get the whole thing and then it was last year probably um in september and uh it was like early in the the school year and the kids are you know on the couch and there and i had started playing with twitter again in my house i'm trying to get everybody going excited for you know getting back to school and but you know summer's over and yeah, we'll watch espn every morning espn has got this twitter feed on the side and i'm like oh i'm gonna put it up there i'm gonna ask a question up there so my kids are like yeah right you know (laughs) so i i pop up this question on on, and all of a sudden it pops up on the screen and my kids are like oh my god there it is you know so i was i was hooked on on twitter from that point forward and then now, as I've kind of continued to make connections through that, I've realized the benefits of it. And I've, I've and I always hear people say, "Yeah, it's not what you learn or you say or you hear on Twitter. It's all the people you connect with." And, uh, and boy, that is so true. I mean, all the different um, great educators and great contacts that I've made through social media, you know, have been have been huge. And then you know, starting to write and to blog and to and kind of offer my perspective of things with with my partner Gary Armita, who we started the 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 blogger, the teacher and the admin, and from the teacher's point of view and the administrator's point of view, you know, sharing with people that district administrators are human and and you know, we make a lot of mistakes too and we're just trying to do the best we can. So I think I've learned that just being honest up front about my mistakes, about my successes, about all the things that I want to do better and that I could have done better um, has just helped me grow as, a, as an individual and
0: as a leader. And so I've heard a lot of people talk about blogging. What has been the benefit for you in, in doing that?
1: the fact of uh, you know all the people um, from different parts of the country reaching out and, and being touched by certain things that Gary or I have written has is, is been great and I certainly appreciate that and the opportunity to, to now have a you know a book coming out has is, is been a great opportunity but I think the biggest benefit has been I'm in a pretty large district we have for New York we have uh, you know about 8500 students and over 600 teachers who I know you know all of our teachers by name but I don't know everybody on an intimate level and Some of the blogging that I've done and the stories I've told, personal stories related to education, I think have gotten people in our district to see me in a different light and to understand, you know, I'm just like everybody else trying to do the best I can and kind of an insight into who I am and what I believe as an educator, what I believe as a person and and the personal struggles, the personal successes. So just kind of that that. I, I I think people see me in my district differently now at least the people that that read my blog because they, they look at me like oh yeah like I, I, they know me so much better now because they've they've read what I've
0: written and for the book when is that coming up
1: yeah so um we are with uh edgy gladiators um, publishing with um marlena taylor gross I think you had her on the show I listened to that she's an incredibly intelligent lady and She spoke to us about publishing. And and the book is going to be with uh, myself from the administrator's point of view and Gary Armida from the teacher's point of view. We're taking on different topics in each chapter and and writing, how an administrator can make that happen. If it's improving homework or if it's improving innovation, or if it's building trust, you know, what is, what does the administrator do? What's it from the administrator's perspective? And then Gary will write it from, from the teacher's perspective. And then what are some things we can do together to, to, to come together and, and make these things a reality to make our schools better for kids. So, um, should be coming out sometime late spring, early
0: summer. And so in closing, what is the most enjoyable aspect of leadership? Making a
1: difference for kids when a student comes back to you and tells you that something that you did um, made a difference for them that's that's so rewarding I got an email the other day from a, a student when I was one of my first years as a principal in this district and she said um, she's just getting close to finishing up being a school psychologist and she said you know I remember um, I don't know if you remember me but I you know I had a t-shirt on a Tom Petty t-shirt one day and you came and said, oh, I was at the Tom Petty concert last night. And she said, and I was too. And I, that just, you know, that made me feel like, you know, my principal knew me and we had this connection and it made me want to do good in school. And, um, you know, of course I remember the girl, but I didn't quite remember that incident. But just to think of, of the fact that you have the opportunity, whether it's as a, as a principal, whether it's as a teacher, whatever your role is, you get to, you go to work every single day and you have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. And not every job out there um, can you do that. So that's why I think that, that our field is is the best one to be in. And I would never want to be in any other field. We have to make a difference every single day.
0: And how can our listeners connect with you on social media? So I'm I'm on Twitter at um,
1: KFelicello. Felicello. Uh, I'm also at the teacher and Admin on Twitter as well. And uh, www.TheTeacherAndTheAdmin.com is our website where we have our blog. You know, any of those venues are great. I'm on Voxer and still trying to figure all that out, but uh, <laughs> Twitter is is most active on. Huh?
0: Please continue to check out the Aspire podcast. And if you've gotten any value from the show at all, please subscribe and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. Don't forget to use the Aspire lead hashtag as you continue the conversation on Twitter. Chris, thank you so much for being on the program.
1: Thank you.